Welcome to episode 179 of the Fertility Podcast. Now I'm doing this intro from my garden because it's Good Friday. It's glorious, glorious sunshine. I think we're having a heat wave over the um, Easter Bank holiday weekend in the UK, which is very exciting. Um, I also want to say, if you're celebrating Passover, as my family is, as of this evening, happy Passover. Lots of festivities going on at the moment. It's been a very interesting one to explain to uh, my son. That There's the Jewish story and then there's the Easter story. If this is your first listen to the Fertility Podcast, massive welcome. Do have a have a look around the fertilitypodcast.com website and be sure to um, add your name onto the email list so I can keep you up to date with all sorts going on. And do subscribe to the podcast in your favourite podcast app. There's all links on the Fertility Podcast website. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FertilityPoddy. And there's the Fertility Podcast Facebook page and my closed Facebook group, which is called Talk Fertility. Loads of different places that you can get in touch. And have a look at all the different types of episodes because there's lots of different stories of people sharing where they're at as well as expert interviews and um, the reason that I want to make sure that you have a look at previous episodes is that this particular podcast episode is, is different and this is a huge trigger point for me to mention because I'm going to be um, handing over to another guest host which is a new thing I'm doing at the moment and this episode is going to be talking about pregnancy after infertility so if you don't feel that it's something that you can listen to at the moment I totally get it what I will say is that check out my Instagram because I've got a giveaway that I'm launching on the release of this podcast episode for Fertility Fest to get some tickets to Avalanche which is the show with the amazing Maxine Peak um, for Sunday the 28th of April so if you're going to switch off just go and check out my Insta at Fertility Poddy to get yourself entered into that competition because quite a quick turnaround and I'm going to be um, picking some people by Wednesday so if you're listening on Monday go go to Instagram and um, get involved so if you are deciding that this episode isn't for you then like I said totally understand what I want to always do is cover all different elements of where you're at on your journey and so if there are things that you're not ready to hear then then you know it's it's so cool and hopefully that hopefully this could be an episode that you return to at a later point before we get to talking a bit more about the episode though I want to just talk a bit about something that's gone on in my world this week. Um, my little boy, if you know my story, is, is four. He's called Phoenix. And this September, he's starting school. So we've just had this last week, the outcome of the school place that we wanted to get him into. And a really long story short, he didn't get the place that um, we put as our first choice. He's got a place at a school. But um, part of the criteria when your kid gets into school is whether or not there's a sibling of yours at the school and we're basically going through an appeal to this school and I've been highlighting in my application and all through that the criteria of a sibling being part of whether or not a child is given a place at school when you've gone through infertility to have your child is quite outdated and I think needs to be considered so anyway that's something that I'm just doing at the moment and if it's something that's relevant to you um, it's just a conversation again I think that needs to have more emphasis on no idea whether that thought process is something that can infiltrate into the school process and I get that that's probably quite a UK conversation anyway I just wanted to give you that little bit of insight 
So moving on to this episode, and I'm aware this is quite a lengthy intro, so I'm hoping by the time you listen to it, I've edited it down quite a bit. Whilst we're enjoying the delightful bird song in my garden, we're going to be hearing from Kat Strawbridge, who's trying ears on Instagram, and the lovely Anna German, who's Frau Dutch on Instagram. Both of their details will be in the show notes. Both ladies are now pregnant, and I really wanted to have them share their stories of how they'd been feeling, because I know from both of them, from conversations we've been having, that it's been challenging, to say the least. And I think that there's a lot to take on board when you're pregnant after having treatment, whether you get pregnant first time or whether, as both of the girls explain, you have a lengthy, um, a lengthy road to getting there how it impacts on your pregnancy I think is something to think about and Kat and Anna talk about a host of things like the feelings of imposter syndrome their fears of postnatal depression and both of them talk about how they're having counselling Anna is pregnant after uh, having a donor egg and that's been causing her some anxiousness and some questioning of how she's going to manage and um, I think both of them raised some really interesting points that I hope you find really useful if you're pregnant and listening after treatment or if you're going through your treatment and you're still listening and decided not to turn off. So we're about to hear from Kat and Anna. Kat has kind of hosted the episode so you'll be hearing her first and like I say all their details will be in the show notes after. Before we start the episode though, I had a really exciting journey this week. I drove a four hour round trip to Hawes in North Yorkshire, which is the home of Altrui, which if you listen to my previous episode about uh, why egg donors donate, then you'll know about Altrui. If you don't, they're a UK based egg donation organisation and they are pretty awesome. And I went there to meet with my current podcast sponsor, Apricity, and I love learning about new innovative approaches to fertility and that's something that really drew me to Apricity and here is their CEO Caroline who was this wonderful lady we had a fabulous chat and she's French so you can enjoy her delightful French tones explaining why Apricity came to be. Hi, I'm Caroline Dublanche and I'm the CEO of Apricity and Apricity is this new company in fertility. We actually have uh, sort of how to reinvent uh, the fertility journey for women and couples who have trouble to conceive. Basically, what we thought is, okay, if we were to invent a fertility treatment today with uh, all that you know, uh, we know in terms of science, but also with the new technologies which are available and all the knowledge we have of fertility treatments, what would be the ideal service that we would deliver? So Apricity is basically the combination of different elements. It's to have a fertility advisor available for you seven days a week, can answer any of your questions, but also uh, can arrange appointments for you. It's also a bespoke journey, uh, so the ability to customize your journey where you want to have your blood tests, your scans, your consultations. Uh, We really think that if you look at it, the only two real moments you need to go to the clinic are the egg collection and the embryo transfer. And if you're working, if you have family, we try to arrange things for you to be really convenient and uh, easy. Also, uh, we have this 
amazing app and in the app you have uh, an overview of your journey, reminders of your injections, your appointments, a lot of content like articles, videos which have been reviewed by doctors to explain you what's coming next. So you're going for egg collection, you have this nice video explaining what is egg collection, what is the decisions you will have to make, what are the side effects you can experience and anything. And of course you can contact your advisor at any moment to ask questions to be, uh, to be prepared. Find out more at apricity.life forward slash podcast. Another of my sponsors is International Andrology, who specialize in diagnosing and treating male infertility. Around 50% of infertility issues are male factor, and all too often, men aren't even evaluated at the start of a fertility journey, which might result in unnecessary treatments, costs, and disappointment. International Andrology is one of the few specialist clinics in the UK, offering a holistic approach to increase your chances to conceive naturally or via the IVF route. As well as treating the underlying causes of male infertility, their doctors have some of the highest success rates in microsurgical sperm retrieval. So, if you're looking for a true specialist to assist you on your fertility journey, visit london-andrology.co.uk today and do mention the Fertility Podcast. Right, so now you've got a bit more info about my podcast sponsors, who I hope you don't mind hearing from because they really do make this podcast possible. It's now time to get on with today's episode. Hi everyone, Kat here. Some of you may know me via Instagram as Trying Years. I'm really excited to be guest hosting one of the Fertility Podcast episodes. Thank you, Natalie, for asking. I wanted to talk about a subject that, if I'm honest, this time last year I might not be listening to, but because of events over the last seven months has really become very apparent to me, I guess. I've talked for the last couple of years very publicly about trying to conceive and raising awareness for the entire topic. And very, very fortunately, um, in September last year, so 2018, following over six years trying to conceive, three rounds of IUI, four fresh rounds of IVF, two frozens, two miscarriages um, from IVF pregnancies, I became, we uh, became pregnant following our fourth fresh round of IVF. And I am sat here today, still pregnant, which is just incredible. One of the things, however, I've realised over the last few months is that it was always the aim, but not something that I had given a lot of thought to. And actually, the more I've talked to people recently, the more I realised that I actually deliberately didn't ask about other people's pregnancies. And... I can only put that down to like a self-preservation thing. Like I say, I didn't actually realise that was the case, but I hadn't even thought about being pregnant really and what that felt like. Well, certainly not past the first six weeks, which is give or take where we had got to on the two previous occasions that we had received a positive test. So what does it feel like to be pregnant after infertility and loss? It's I hate to say it, but it's it's really hard. Um, and I guess before I go on, 
I just need to kind of state that obviously I am so grateful and it's just the best feeling in the world and I can confirm for anyone who is early on that in my situation anyway it has got easier and less anxious as time has gone on um but that doesn't take away from the first like 12 to 16 weeks how difficult that was and how grateful I was but how much I struggled just to get through each day and counting down each single day and how many scans we had which was a lot I was averaging kind of one one every week to ten days um, and we also have suffered loss within this pregnancy we had a single embryo transfer in September um, and then we found out at our first scan which like many of our scans we like I got onto the scan table in tears um, because I was so nervous about what they were or weren't going to see um, we had never actually had a heartbeat on previous occasions so our very first scan which I had at the early pregnancy unit at my hospital because I just couldn't wait for my clinic scan I really couldn't wait the kind of seven eight weeks so we had our first scan at six weeks and five days knowing that we might not get a heartbeat but hoping that we would and we got on and we'd said to the sonographer just tell us there's a heartbeat and then take as long as you need to do everything else um, but just tell us there's a heartbeat and it's in the right place which they did and then they said actually there's two heartbeats which oh my goodness was like the biggest most amazing shock ever and we kept that to ourselves for a good couple of weeks and then we told our families who were extremely excited we had a couple more scans at our clinic so definitely one at around seven or eight definitely another one a private one at about nine weeks and then when we went in for our 10-week scan at our fertility clinic we were told that one of our twins had stopped progressing which was really really difficult to hear and a situation that I hadn't really considered and and that being the case is fine I remember talking to people you know many conversations really where people say like I haven't quite prepared myself for that I hadn't thought about that being a possibility like how do I deal with that and and actually I've just realized this is the same with being pregnant after infertility it's like why would you why would you with the pregnancy because the pregnancy is a positive one might have a slightly different answer actually but certainly with miscarriage or with you know losing a twin at that stage or you know why would you think about a situation that you don't want to happen necessarily why would you investigate it it might cross your mind but why would you investigate it so so I think that's kind of normal but then to deal with ultimately a miscarriage inside you as well as our little survivor as we call her um, both at the same time is is a really that is really quite an unexpected situation to be in and it definitely took me a little while to kind of deal with that and and as soon as we could we focused on the positive but there are still moments now and I know that when I give birth 
you know, I well, hopefully it won't. But I am aware of the fact that I might think, oh, there should have been two, that kind of thing. But, you know, we've we've moved forward as much as we can. And we are focusing, like I said, on our little survivor. So we had lots and lots of scans, which looking back and talking to people more recently, I do think that's fine. You know, I'm not worried about that. I don't feel bad about it. It was our choice. It was the thing that put our minds at rest. We did stop booking them in advance because I think as we got towards them we started to get more nervous and what we ended up thinking was right when we feel like we're ready for a scan that's when we'll book one in for like a day or two later and that did work better I have to say once I could feel the movements that really really helped and actually like we've just gone 10 weeks without a scan which is insane (laughs) and if someone had said that to me at the beginning I would have said no way no way I think before that the longest we'd gone was four perhaps but it does like I say it does get easier and time moves faster to the point where now I am thinking oh I'm gonna miss this little one when she goes when she's not in there anymore obviously I don't think I will get an opportunity to miss her because I'll be holding her in my arms but it is funny how you go from kind of almost not enjoying it because you're scared to not wanting it to end because you're enjoying it so much which is lovely and a really I recognize I'm in a really fortunate place right now with that because it didn't feel like that at the beginning it was really bloody difficult at the beginning I was lucky with my side effects I didn't have too many symptoms Um, a nice level of nausea which was reassuring but I didn't actually kind of I wasn't sick I've had a bit of travel sickness which is something that I had never experienced before and there are the aches and pains and and that kind of thing but you know which aren't necessarily pleasant and it is hard to sleep sometimes and all of those things that come with pregnancy but I'm just trying to you know just take it all in really because because it's a bloody miracle that I'm here after over six years of trying and and I can't wait to meet her but I just want to try and enjoy every little bit of this that I can and something that I say to people time and time again now when they let me know that they're pregnant is that my take on on enjoying it has been that If I was going to fall, if it was all going to go wrong, I was going to fall anyway. And it doesn't really matter how far. So we should just celebrate what we can celebrate each day, each milestone, each scan. And if it's all going to go wrong, you know, it's going to go wrong whether we celebrate it or not. So why not try and have the good bits while we can? Because you never know, it might go right it might continue um, and go well and and it would be so sad to look back and think "Mm, I I was miserable I, I couldn't I couldn't enjoy any of it and I know that for some people that is the case and and you know and maybe I say this with massive hindsight now that you know I'm in my third trimester and you're in your first trimester saying no I can't enjoy it I can't and I I agree because I found it really hard as well 
but just try and enjoy as much as you can because 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 this is you know we're not only going to happen once hopefully if you want another it will happen again but you know this pregnancy will only happen once and and we've got to hold on to every little bit of joy of that that we can because because it's taken a long old time to get here and I just I'm really pleased that people have started talking about it more I think I said that at the beginning and even on Instagram you know more people are being a bit more open about being pregnant and obviously being sensitive and I made the decision with my Instagram that I was going to talk about it a bit more and you know I have put an odd bump shot up what I have learned is that being pregnant is still part of the infertility journey and I know that a lot of people have said the same thing to me and rather than hiding away and feeling guilty I want to say that I think it's good for us to continue to look for support and I held an Insta Live on pregnancy after infertility a few weeks ago and one of the things that came out of that for me and I talk about this in a moment with my guest is that I have started seeing a counsellor because I realised that it is still part of the infertility journey and those six years are not going to leave me possibly ever but certainly not at this stage when everything is so raw and so kind of so close so I think keep talking about it keep looking for support pregnancy is not the answer so to speak and we need to look after ourselves and we need to surround ourselves with people who understand and can help us because you know pregnancy is not easy being a mother isn't going to be easy and at each stage we need to look for for the support that can help us so in a moment I'm going to introduce a friend of mine, Anna, who um, I met around this time last year. I'll talk about that when we speak. And Anna is also pregnant at the moment, which is really, really exciting. And I just, I think it's really interesting because everyone's got a slightly different take on the things they do and don't like, the things they do and don't want to do, so that we could, yeah, hear from someone else and hear her point of view on how she is enjoying or not different parts of her pregnancy following several rounds of IVF and hopefully in some of what I've said or in some of what she's about to say you know you can find some comfort too. Hi there so now I've been joined by Anna um, who is someone that I met last year actually Anna didn't we we met at Fertility Fest um, in 2018 um, and at the time we were both trying um, and you will tell your story in a minute if that's okay and um, amazingly almost a year later and I don't think either of us would have necessarily believed it then we're both sat here chatting and we're both like pregnant which is just a miracle really Um, so it would be amazing if you could tell um, everyone a bit about your story and how you came to to be pregnant today okay thanks very much Uh, yeah I know it seems like uh, a long time since then lots happened but we uh, uh, my husband and I started trying for a baby at the end of 2011 and we had no success went through all the usual steps of going to get checked out um 
nothing really ever came out of any of those investigations, really minor things on both sides, but nothing that would particularly explain the, the uh, kind of misfortune, if you like. Um, we went on to have four rounds of ICSI. Um, we, we didn't um, have any pregnancies from any of those um, and decided it would have been the summer of 2017 that we that that was going to be it for us that we were kind of drawing a line under things there and then in the autumn of that year uh three really amazing people in our lives offered to get back on that road with us as donors uh, and obviously we didn't need all of them but um we were able to reconsider that door that we'd previously considered closed and we had various tests done and at the end of last year which was quite a long time later um we had a an egg donor round and now yeah now we're expecting a baby in july which is still very strange to say out loud <laughs> i say currently pregnant quite often <laughs> <laughs> yeah do people ask questions to that not necessarily I don't think because I don't even think that I realized I said it until I really thought about it until I was having a conversation about kind of saying that we're pregnant yeah. but yeah I realized that I say I'm currently pregnant it's almost like yeah just take one step at a time today I am who knows what's going to happen tomorrow yeah I think sometimes I say it with that same like you know I might say like I'm pregnant in the same way as when you're a teenager you talk about the word sex without actually saying it you know <laughs> yeah just kind yeah. of half say it mouth um, it kind of thing yeah and kind of hope your mum doesn't hear but yeah <laughs> you, you you sort of said it's pretty unbelievable and it it is pretty unbelievable and how like how long did it take to sink in how have like it's so hard I don't know about you but I've only really engaged in conversations about kind of I say this normal pregnancies um, with people since I've been pregnant. I think before I didn't even engage, which I feel bad because I feel like that's possibly quite selfish of me. But I think in life generally you do engage in things that you've, you you are aware of and your experiences and, and that kind of thing. And I suppose because of everything I was going through, I was deliberately trying not to engage in the conversations about pregnancies because I found it so difficult. Is it possible to have a normal pregnancy, do you think? Like, how have you been feeling throughout your pregnancy? I, I think I was really unprepared for the, uh, for the prospect of this working out really like mentally unprepared for the for the prospect of things kind of going the way that we wanted them to and we we invested so much time and energy in the we'll be okay like we'll be okay regardless conversations that even when we were on our way to have our egg transfer this time we had a conversation in the car about you know what are we going to do about freezing any embryos if that's an option that's ne that had never been an option for us before and we were we were laughing at the fact that we that we were like literally 15 minutes away from hospital and we hadn't even spoken about it and it's because it was just so off our radar and um and I think I've found I mean I don't think you should feel bad about the fact that you hadn't engaged with pregnancy stuff I I hadn't and I still don't and my, my sort of feeling on that is that my friends that have been pregnant have had loads of people to talk to about it and I didn't need to be one of them yeah and they they would have understood that um and I still know nothing and I have still not really read anything and I, I'm just kind of bumbling through but I, I've been very lucky 
in terms of symptoms and side effects of the pregnancy that it is uh it's all gone really smoothly so i haven't felt the need to become a kind of google expert in the way that maybe i might have done if i hadn't if i hadn't been as hadn't been as lucky but yeah i think it's strange for me we we've had a very open uh, attitude towards sharing what's been going on for us pretty much the whole time like right from the very big very beginning with our close friends and family and i think that has been really good for us in on so many levels um but the one thing i think it has done with the pregnancy is it's kind of introduced this strangeness to that conversation that i'm nervous of talking about pregnancy with with those people uh, i'm nervous of how i come across um, I work somewhere now that I hadn't, I haven't been at for all that long. So the, all that kind of baggage and history that, that we can carry around this isn't really known there. And I find that is the place that I feel most normal, you know, yeah. where, where I'm, when I'm around people that I know just kind of, I just, they think it's a normal pregnancy. So I behave like it's a normal pregnancy. Um, and I, I think it's kind of hard to let go of that baggage and the um, and and still seeing yourself as someone that's trying to conceive rather than in that other camp. Definitely, yeah, I can I can understand that actually. It's almost because they don't know it doesn't come up, and there isn't kind of yeah all the other thoughts around it, whether they're said or not. Um, you can just sort of pretend to be well, pretend you know can just be normal ultimately and like I'm trying to think of any situations that I am like that in and the only one that I can think of at the moment although it's not strictly true but I suppose it's recent and I walked into it and made the decision to talk about it is pregnancy yoga which I, was something that I kind of had put off a bit subconsciously I just busied myself like I was having a really busy time anyway and I knew where I was going to go I knew I needed to book it I just didn't get around to booking it but walking in there I could have been anyone like we could have conceived after a roll in the hay uh, you know mm. and and there is something quite nice about that but then also for me personally like and I know that I've heard other people talk about this I found it quite emotional I had to keep checking my bump and checking that actually I belonged there in this sort of normal pregnancy situation um, and I was so glad I did it because it was the first time I'd really put time aside for me and the baby you know my baby and so that was I felt really positive about the fact that I'd done that but actually being there was quite emotional have you have you other than you, with your job is there anything kind of pregnancy related that you have done or you've not done perhaps yeah I mean I think I think for me like you know obviously you have to try and be careful not to create problems where there aren't any and be careful not to kind of hang on to the like well I suppose negativity of of what we experienced and let that spoil what we're going through now because it is really amazing and I don't for a moment want to come across as being ungrateful at all I think I just if I had my time again I think I would have liked to have found a way of trying to prepare myself for this side of things although I have to say self-preservation makes that very hard to even consider I mm. think you know, it is definitely a problem that you hope you're going to have in the future. But I think for me, um, just the idea of, you know, on, on the positive side of things, just 
I really enjoying the kind of nesting and getting ready for we haven't really bought anything we're, we're really fortunate um that most of our friends have had their kids now and and are like desperate to get rid of all their baby and kid junk so a lot of that is just kind of coming our way eventually which is great but just a creative person and just making little things for their room and planning uh, um to I don't know make clothes for them and things like that like that feels really positive and and kind of really a, a proactive way of channeling what what is a bit strange um I think maybe on the kind of you know not to dwell on it but like the more negative side of stuff is I cannot bring myself to have anything to do with NCT and everybody keeps nagging me about it um I think I might just try one that's not called that because I don't know if it's just this association thing that, you know, things like that. And, um, I can't, luckily I don't have a particularly long commute, but, um, for anyone that's seen those baby on board badges that people wear on the trains, I can't bring myself to wear one of those. I feel like I'd rather stand partly because, uh, I just, uh, hated seeing them and I don't I feel like I don't want to do that to anyone else's day um I think if they were just a bit less jovial <laughs> <laughs> but they became a bit of a symbol for me of like this club that I wasn't a part of and um yeah I don't actually mind them too much on the trains it's when they're you know, you're sitting in a pub thinking, I don't think you need to be wearing that now. Uh, <laughs> that's probably where that kind of comes from. Um, and yeah, and like feeling kind of weird about people saying, oh, you know, can I see your bump and look at your bump and, you know, and thinking, oh, no, don't look at me. And and worrying that that comes across as vanity. And, it, and it's not at all. You know, it's just, it feels really odd to be being looked at in that way. Yeah, you talk about so many things that I have felt as well, actually. Like the baby on board on my Instagram, I did an IGTV about that because when I received it and I just picked it up at St Pancras and I couldn't even look at it, I really couldn't. And when I went to put it on the next day, because I don't think I needed it that day in the end, I got a seat without kind of needing it. And But when I went to put it on the next day or a couple of days thereafter, I welled up on the platform and like, I actually couldn't put it on. It took me two or three goes to put it on. And, and I only wear it when I'm getting on the train. I don't wear it the rest of the time, which sparks a panic every time. Oh, where's the baby on board? <laughs> Whenever I need it, I'm wearing a different jacket or a different bag every time. Whereas if I just left it on a coat, it might be easier for me. But exactly that. I don't want to wear it necessarily walking down the street or when I'm going to the supermarket or it just feels almost and it sounds ridiculous but almost attention seeking in a way you know and it's and and what you're saying about the bump I remember very vividly um when some of my family were like oh can we see can we see and and I remember talking to a friend about it you know someone who her children are older now and she did say exactly what you said you know is it a vanity thing and and it's it's not that at all it's just a, like I think it was self-preservation you know kind of I still couldn't quite believe it and so I didn't want everyone else to kind of not see that nothing was there I don't I don't know it's just a really but it's interesting that there are you know that people you know that you feel this I'm feeling this that there were lots of other people probably feeling this 
I yeah. have signed up to NCT and I did that around the same time as I did the yoga because I thought, right, I've just got to grasp this with both hands and do it. Um, and I've got, I've got my own fears about that in that everyone always says, oh yeah, these are my friends from NCT and we've known each other for like 18 years and it's amazing. and It's the best thing. And I'm going to walk in there and well, I think that everyone's going to be like 18, <laughs> which is one of my concerns and I'm 40. Um, but yeah, that I'm not going to make this like amazing group of friends, but that's something completely non-pregnancy related. I don't think 18 year olds can afford to go to NCT classes. That might be true. No, that might well be true. <laughs> but if you're not, if you don't want to, and this is just kind of something that I saw, if you have a look on their website, um, they do talk about other events that they've got going on. There's one not far from me and like on a Monday afternoon, it's called Bumps and Babies. And mm -hmm. my understanding is that you, like the name itself might put you off. <laughs> but um but you can just go along to it. I think it's in a garden centre or something. So rather than yeah. signing up necessarily to the classes, it might be something you can pop in, see whether or not you can kind of deal with that environment um, and then make a decision perhaps about whether or not you want to do NCT, perhaps just an idea. Yeah, and, and there are other ones as well. And mm. I think, you know, I, they, there are, you know, we, we live in London and sort of lucky enough to have, various sort of newish companies popping up and offering essentially the same thing under a different banner and that doesn't weird me out as much um i think it is uh you know and this is uh, nothing i don't know anything about nct like i'm not trying to slight anything that they do i think uh no many people that would say they've done an amazing job with them um it is just an association mm -hmm. thing um and yeah it's just about putting into practice some of the things that you've thought about in theory and there's a slight disconnect i suppose um and you kind of imagine that when you get that um second blue line on your pregnancy test that everything else is going to magically disappear and, th and that i think is one of the things that is a little bit again I, I really don't want to sound like I'm singing myself a sob story here because I, I know we're in such a fortunate position but it's just a bit strange and because I wasn't expecting it I was kind of expecting for all of that darkness to just disappear overnight that 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 that's where it becomes I guess something I, I retrospectively wish I'd been a little bit better prepared for although I feel that I'm doing okay with now so and, and actually conversations like this really help. Good, good. And hopefully it will help people who are listening as well. And, and on that, is there anything, so if you're listening, I guess, and you are still trying to conceive, which, and I say this every time I have this conversation and to people who are, you know, trying, um, I think it's an incredibly brave thing to listen to. I don't think I could have done it necessarily. I think that I was less so these days I guess and by these days I mean kind of pre this pregnancy but last year um and because a lot of the work that I do I've, I've learned so much over the last few years but prior to that I just wouldn't have been interested at all I wouldn't have wanted to engage in it at all but I know that there are people who are and from what you're saying like that's a really really positive thing because you you almost wish that you had or this might have been one of the ways that you could have prepared yourself more by hearing people go through it and and understand a bit more but you're 23 weeks now is that right 23 weeks yeah yeah 24 yeah 24 yeah brilliant oh viability yes another milestone um looking back over the last 24 weeks is there anything that you would tell your kind of like four eight 
12, 16 week in pregnant person. Um, yeah, I think so, actually. So I think in some ways, once the um, initial euphoria wore off, that, that's when it became a little bit harder because, you know, telling people, we, we found out we were pregnant not all that long before Christmas. So we ended up telling people really early because we saw so many people mm-hmm. um, over that Christmas period that it was a good opportunity to, to do that. Um, and, and that was really amazing. So, but once that kind of euphoria wore off, I think, um, I would, I wish I'd been prepared for the sense of imposter syndrome that I have. And maybe if I knew I was going to feel like that, that I would have not felt quite so badly about it. You know, I know Mother's Day is a really big trigger for a lot of people in this community and it never has been particularly for me. I've always been able to sort of make it about my mum and about my mother-in-law and not feel like it was about me. And then this Mother's Day, it still wasn't about me, but I, for the first time ever, cried on Mother's Day. And I just felt like such a fraud and I felt like a real imposter and that I didn't really kind of belong there. Um, but, you know, that days like that pass, don't they? And, you know, that that feeling doesn't last forever. Um, I think another thing I would like to have maybe taken a bit more seriously before we found out we were pregnant were there were lots of people that had been through fertility treatment that had gone on to have children and that would say things like I understand what you're going through and I'd think but do you because at the end of the day you know you've got a kid And, and and I'm sure that must warp your view of it completely but I was very prepared to think that the moment that you realized that you were going to have your baby or that you, your baby arrived that you wouldn't ever be able to kind of emphasize fully with with what that's like again uh, and actually now I realize that you're so scarred by it that it's it is something that you you wouldn't forget um and that is a part of you and so to maybe kind of embrace those conversations a little bit more a, bit, a little bit more than I did um but yeah and also just to find those ways of really engaging with the positive things like making things and trying to talk about it as normally and as positively as you can really Mm. it's so interesting what you say about so my and I've, I've definitely talked about this before um you know it's those people and those people are the people that talk about trying to conceive and how long it took them and how many rounds they had but they've got children and they've had success and and you know it was it although you know I didn't ever want it to come across as derogatory I wanted to be one of those people so you know it wasn't a bad place but I always had this um you know it was like they know how their story ends whereas I didn't so how could they kind of know how I felt but you know, for six long years, I didn't know how my story was going to end. And even now, like, I'm still not there. And, and, but yeah, so I, yeah, it's hard. And I think you have to be in the right place to engage in those conversations and, mm. you know, with the right people, because there will be some people that will handle it really well. And there will be some people like everything, you know, who won't necessarily. Mm, um, but yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting point, actually, whether, you know, because I let people know very early on my Instagram and I was really nervous about that but so many people said that I gave them hope whereas one of the things that I don't want to say at any point is I did it you know don't give up hope (laughs) you know like if it happens if it can happen to me you know it can happen to you which of course is true 
but if it didn't happen to me it could still happen to you I really don't want to turn into one of those people <laughs> no, but anyway, I think that's why this like community on Instagram and on the podcast is is so amazing really because actually when you look at a lot of the people driving it people like Natalie people like Gabby from Fertility Fest like they they've gone on to have children but it's still a big part of their lives and then they're doing this for that kind of wider community and they're they they've not left that mm -hmm. world and I think maybe that's one of the things I hadn't really considered is that I'd sort of thought about there's this trying to conceive world and then there's this world of people that have kids and that there are just those two things going on. But actually maybe there's this third thing where we all stay in this in-between world where yeah. we've kind of got foot in each camp perhaps. And to, to, to really, for me now, I think it'd be, I'd be really looking forward to talking more with people like Natalie and Gabby and, and sort of saying, well, how do you, how did you deal with this? How did you, how did you get past this? Um, and, uh, well, you know, once the baby comes along, are you just so exhausted that it, you, you haven't got time to worry about it anyway? So just crack on. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, I guess that's one way of looking at it. Like I, I did an Insta live on pregnancy after infertility and one of the girls on there said, and she, her little one now is, is, is a few months old, fairly early on though. And I remember her saying that she didn't deal with her positive pregnancy test properly until even after her baby was born, because I guess she got so caught up in kind of the concern and the anxiety and the worry about pregnancy that, you know, mm. that she couldn't even kind of comprehend what had gone before like the fact that all of that yeah. TTC had actually ended yeah. up in a positive test and then suddenly you're, you've got a baby doesn't feel suddenly at the beginning does it it's like long at the beginning and then the end starts to fly a little bit but you've got this baby and you kind of you're dealing with that I suppose at the same time as you're looking back and thinking oh my god it actually worked <laughs> you know and and that, that was really interesting for me to hear and since then I have actually started going to counselling because a lot of that conversation was about the fact that we're not necessarily dealing with our pregnancies because you know we're just living in that moment you know which is generally quite anxious a bit of denial a bit of you know not really sure what the next thing to do is um and then we have a baby and then you know I have read about links between postnatal depression and people who have had fertility treatment to get pregnant and that's something that I'm really conscious of um, for myself and for others as well. And so I am having counselling because I want to almost prepare myself for that. Whether I need it or not, I don't know. But I'm, I'm an advocate of counselling generally. I think even if your life is going swimmingly, I think it doesn't hurt to talk to someone. And there's certainly times when I go in and talk to her and I don't feel like I've got anything necessarily to say. But I don't think it hurts if we if we can afford it like I'm only doing it once every couple of weeks and it's only a few sessions really um but that's yeah, yeah something that I definitely heard from what lots of people were saying and I decided to kind of sign up to it I've heard that too um I'm actually going to go back to counseling so we um were under the Lister clinic and one of the things that they offer is counseling that is free counseling at any point in your okay. journey if you like yeah I agree I think it's something we need to be as mindful of looking after our mental health as we would be about looking after our physical health yeah. um, for me I, I expected my pregnancy um, worries and anxieties to be really focused around 
you know, you know, um, you know, in the, those early days, um, am I going to miscarriage? Is this going to actually work out? Those kinds of things. As it's turned out, I haven't really experienced any of that. Um, my worries are very focused around the future. And I'm talking like 15, 16, 17, 18 years time. Um, I think the, we obviously, because it was donor round, we obviously had to have our counseling where we kind of talked through this is these are the things you might experience etc etc but um the what we're living now is the difference between talking about those things in theory and then living them actually living them and mm. some of those things that we talked about in counseling um that I thought yeah 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 I'm fine I'm cool with that like I now think I am fine with this but I'm not you know I need I could be more fine uh, and I think it's time to kind of address that now because you, you know I have to be in the right headspace about things to be able to um, make sure that that I can provide properly like uh, on an emotional level uh, and a physical level yeah for the baby when they arrive so there's those kind of added things so I'm completely with you on that I think I think counseling is the way to go I'm really quick to advocate it for other people and I'm really slow to organise it for myself. Yeah, yeah. It was that Insta Live that I thought, right, I've got to do something about this because I'm, this is what I'm hearing from lots of people, that this is a difficult situation and I need to accept that and, and realise, you know, like you were saying a minute ago <clears throat> about the overlap kind of thing, that this is all part of a fertility journey. Um, so, you know, the, the looking for support and, 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 and reaching out for it shouldn't have stopped you know um just like with motherhood you know people look to each other for support and understanding and and the thing that i think there and i will hopefully be able to tell you in a few weeks time but um is that there are so many more people doing it and talking about it more openly um and so the support is there it's not that you turn you become a mother and you don't need it because everything's hunky-dory i don't see it like that at all but i think just it's more normal to discuss it's less of a taboo to kind of it be yeah. difficult and and worry about it and you know everyone wants to help you whereas the ttc and the pregnancy thereafter is you know as we all know you know this is the taboo that we're trying to break and um and the silence that we want to kind of you know shatter really but yeah. just yeah. you know touching upon the donor side of things and this is this could be a separate podcast in itself do you think that that, that has impacted on your pregnancy at all like how are you feeling about all of that now that you're pregnant yeah I think it I think it has impacted on things not on a physical level which is like great and amazing because like you know there's always the concerns with those sorts of things I'm sure it played into how I felt on Mother's Day I'm sure that um it 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 sort of makes me question things in the middle of the night that I can rationalize in the day as being completely fine um but but in a way I and I guess a sort of this is sort of what I was getting at earlier. I think if it's perhaps just one of those worry replacement things that if it wasn't a donor, if it wasn't a donor uh, pregnancy, that I would be worrying about something else. Yeah. Instead, you know, <laughs> it's just a little bit human nature, and it is just that kind of. Um, I guess when you you spend so long waiting for something to happen that you don't think is going to happen, and then it does. Um, you are instinctively on guard for anything about it that might not be quite right. And, you know, I, but on guard is probably a better description than sort of 
anything else because I, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm I'm just not managing to enjoy this at all I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far like I think you know there are lots of things about it that are amazing so amazing and I just think I expected to forget how we got here more more easily mm-hmm. um but that's fine you know and, it, and it's an it's a, it's an acceptance thing I suppose and you know as I said before it is definitely the lesser of two evils uh, <laughs> by a very very long way definitely yeah yeah definitely and you're right some of the positives you know we should talk about the positives as well so currently in my kitchen are hanging um loads of little baby grows which i never thought would ever happen and i've been lucky that i've been given gosh an entire wardrobe ultimately um for for our little one from my sisters and yeah and in the wardrobe we bought a little wardrobe um just on ebay um and some drawers and hanging in there a little dresses and it's just yeah it's just you know we do have to celebrate these things i found that we did buy we bought a faith present which i've heard people call and i don't i kind of think of that as a bit cheesy but apparently i bought into it so you know maybe i'm cheesy um <laughs> i don't I consider myself but you don't know no well well I, I don't know where i picked it up but we bought um a little kind of well it's it's not a baby grow but essentially it's a baby grow it's a top and trousers um from the supermarket it was on sale it was about 1.99 and i bought it with the view that oh i might give it to my sister because she was due a baby kind of in the weeks thereafter um but it sat on a on a handle in our on a kitchen door the whole way through our pregnancy and it's like you know this is what we bought for our baby like this baby is sticking around um And, you know, and like Bob's bought a couple of things, mostly, I'll be honest, since 24 weeks. And it wasn't until 24 weeks that we painted the nursery and kind of got the clothes and the cot from one of my sisters and that kind of thing. But I like I really am enjoying doing all of that now. It's just like I'm pinching myself as I'm doing it. I really am. But it's just it's heaven. I can't even explain it. Um, it's amazing and like the movements are another thing you know it's just there's so much to be grateful for like you said earlier on it's not not grateful it's just it's just hard as well isn't it it's just another step in 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 everything that we've been through yeah that's it and and I think for me it's like having this sort of conversation is about maybe saying to someone else um, don't worry about it but but if you're prepared for it then maybe it won't it won't take you by surprise because I think it took me by surprise a bit and that that's that's the main thing for me is that it's just a, that that would be the only thing I'd really really change given my time again is to perhaps be a bit more prepared for it yeah so people who are listening to this while they're still trying before they get pregnant because they will everything crossed or people who are in the very early stages it's like hear this and kind of listen to it again tell yourself so that you can then feel more prepared for the weeks yeah and also feel like it's normal and feel like you know you know because when I was having a meltdown on Mother's Day I felt so ungrateful and I felt so um like you know like why why are you being such a brat about this and then and but then you think well you can sort of calm down you stop giving yourself such a hard time and you think actually this is going to be going on for loads of people right now and you're not a complete like freak show feeling like that it's inevitable uh, you you know after spending you know seven years it's the longest amount of time i've done anything mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah um 
so it's 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 not like you're going to forget that overnight i no. guess no you're absolutely right brilliant thank you so much anna i know like i'm delighted that these conversations are happening more and more and yeah and that i can be a part of it and thank you so much for being part of it too um, and and good luck with everything and we really look forward to, to yeah hearing your news yeah. when it comes and i'll see you at fertility fest definitely definitely I'll be there. lots of people listening to definitely wonderful thank you so much thank you I think there's so many kind of interesting points that both ladies have raised. If you're not in the UK and you don't know what the Baby On Board badge is, I just want to explain because they both spoke about it. In London, if you're travelling on the underground, you can get a badge that you can wear that says Baby On Board and the idea is you wear it and people move off a seat and give you the seat to sit down. And I know there's been quite a few chats within the TTC community about how they make us feel. Um, and obviously you heard the girls talking about it. So I just wanted to explain what that badge was. Also, um, I'm gonna put some links in the show notes of this episode to the conversations I had with Jana Rupno and Becky, who's Defining Mum on Instagram. Becky has been doing a lot of work with Jana, talking about, whoa, that's a really loud aeroplane. Sorry, let's just wait for it to pass. Um, Becky has been doing a lot of talk about what it feels like being a mum after um, donor conception. Jana is a counsellor helping you get your head around donor conception and with Anna talking about her kind of concerns in 15 years time and the implications counselling that she's had I just think it would be a really interesting kind of one for you to listen to if you haven't already. So check out the show notes which for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash pregnancy after infertility and all the details will be there for Kat and Anna, those links. Also, details of the competition that I've launched on my Instagram to get yourself tickets for Fertility Fest. And um, this week I'm going to be talking a lot about Fertility Fest because it's all starting. I'll be there, I'll be sharing more content from it and um, stuff on my stories and on my Twitter and my Facebook. So wherever you follow me, um, just keep an eye out if you're wanting to know more. I'm now going to say farewell and until the next time.